I want to begin this Mother's Day talk with a very bold statement. Here it is. If we lose any more ground with our families, this nation is going down. And I realize, uh, and don't say that flippantly, I I don't say it uh, with a light heart, uh, and I totally am aware of the responsibility that I'm given in James chapter 3, which says that teachers are held to a higher standard for how they live and for what they say. I recognize that this weekend I'll speak to over 10,000 people in the seventh largest city in the best country in all the world. And yet I say it with confidence and I don't hold back. If we do not, if we lose any more ground in our families in this country, this nation is going down. You know why I say that? It's because I look at the Word of God, I look at the Scriptures, and I compare them to the pattern of our communities and to our families. And even in my lifetime, I have seen a distancing of the Word of God and the way in which many of the families in our own community are living. Now, many people think that the biggest deals that are going on right now in our country relate to the economy or to education, or to homeland security, or to politics. But I'm here to tell you with confidence that um, there's nothing that comes close to what will happen to us with the demise of our family. I was looking at the teaching of Jesus. He was being challenged by some religious leaders. They were saying and criticizing him, saying that he's casting out demons in the name or the power of Satan. And Jesus says, that's ridiculous that Satan is casting out Satan. That's ridiculous. It'd be like Donald Trump looking at himself in the mirror and saying, you're fired. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that, they, that, that Satan and Donald Trump wouldn't stand for their very own. And then Jesus makes this very famous statement. He says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus it would say to him, it, it, is, it, is, it is understandable that people are trying to attack the family from the outside in. But he says, it makes no sense to me whatsoever that a husband and a wife, mom and a dad, or kids to parents would stand divided against themselves. This is a sure ticket to bring you down. Why would you do that? And I would suggest that if we can't get the houses where families live to stand up for each other, then the house where the President of the United States lives can do nothing to keep us from falling. And that's the truth. One of our elders last week um, read from Judges chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. In this passage of Scripture, uh, the author is talking about the previous generation under the leadership of Joshua. And in the commentary, he says, Joshua and that entire generation followed after the Lord. But then it reads in Judges chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And we are reminded that the same thing that happened to the nation of Israel can happen to us in the United States if we're not careful. And that is, we are just one generation away from people turning from the Lord and distancing themselves from the teaching of the Word of God that really holds this good country together. 
And I contend that there is no adequate replacement, there is no adequate replacement to the raising up of the next generation, our children, than the parents. A mom, a dad. We have great teachers here in our community, great youth workers, volunteers, mentors, and coaches that are unbelievably committed to their task of coming alongside of kids and helping nudging them in the right direction. But I will suggest that you can stack them up in one pile and never come close to the impact a single mother or a single father can have on a child. Think about it. I wrote these down. Think of the ratio. A parent, one on one, one on two, maybe one on three. In the average school, a teacher's ratio is one on 20 or one on 25. You just can't beat the ratio of a parent to a child. I wrote this down. Cost. There is no tax dollars that need to be collected for this program. There are no charitable donations that need to be collected for this program. Why? Because parents will gladly do this job for free. Now, I did think it would be kind of cool to get a paycheck for being a mom or a dad, but that's optional, right? We would still do it without the paycheck. I wrote down the word time. A youth worker may have a child for an hour or two a week. A teacher in the elementary ages might have them for 10 hours a week. However, children live with their mom and their dad, and there is incredible access that can't be beat. How about the word longevity? A teacher may have them for a year. A youth worker may have them for, if lucky, up to four years. But a parent has a child for 18 years. And you're looking at me just like I thought you would and says, hey, sweetheart, it's way past 18 years, <laughs> right? I didn't realize this when I signed up for the job, but I realize it now. Parenting really is never done, and I'm grateful for that. Our daughter is now 25, soon to be 26, and we think about her every day. We think about our granddaughter. We think about her life. We are helping her. We are encouraging her, and we are praying for her with the same kind of desperation we prayed for her when we sent her off to her first kindergarten class, because a parent's job never is over. But most of all, most of all is the depth of love. We have some incredible teachers in this congregation um, in our Bible land, in our public and private schools. We have some incredible youth workers here at the Oak Hills Church on all five of our mission sites, both paid workers as well as volunteers. I mean, they do an incredible job of serving the kids. But again, I suggest you can stack all of their love that they invest into our children in a pile, and you will not even come close to the love that a mom has for a son or for a daughter. You will not even come close to the love a dad has for their children. So therefore, we realize the importance of this in this hour in our country, and here at the Oak Hills Church, we intend to double our efforts to help the family stand at this very, very important time. And particularly, we're going to double our efforts in helping moms and dads really grow their relationship together. 
So we're going to come alongside our families and help them stand. Now, I realize that I have an important role in the family. I really do as a dad. Matter of fact, on this Father's Day coming up, we got a guy coming in to speak to us who's really going to, is really going to tell us straight the importance of the role of dads in the family. I get that. We're going to talk about that. It's totally true. But I think, guys, you see if you agree with me, when the family is working right, and you peer in and take a look at it, it is the mom who is holding the family together. She is the glue that holds most of our families together. Guys, do you agree with me on that? I mean, they're incredible the way they hold it. It's not true in all situations, but pound for pound. Maybe it's not a good analogy, um, but just person to person, a mom is what holds most families together. That's certainly true of our family. I mean, I've made lots of contributions. I try to show up every day, you know, with a bat in my hand, not to use my kids, but, you know, like, like it's an analogy, and, and, um, and to, to try to do my job. But if I were to evaluate our family, if Roseanne didn't show up with the kind of tenacity she's shown up with every day for the last 25 years, our family wouldn't be held together as good as it is. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying to you moms that the survival of our very nation does not rest in the hands of our president. It does not rest in the hands of the governor of Texas. The survival of our nation doesn't rest in the hands of ministers Max Licato and Randy Frazee. Hear me well. The survival of our country, when it's all said and done, rests upon our mothers because they are the glue that holds the family together. And I hear some of you saying, you know, Randy, I really didn't need to hear that on Mother's Day, you know? I'm just trying to take a break from it all, you know? I barely am trying to get through the day with my three-year-old. Now you're telling me not only do I have that pressure, but I have the pressure of the whole country on my shoulders. Thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day back to you. And here at the Oak Hills Church, we, we never try to sugarcoat the truth. We try to tell you to you straight. I'd like to tell you that you're not that important to the survival of this nation, but the reality is you are. And therefore, guess what? We need you. We need you to make it. We need you to be at your best. We need to set you up to succeed. We need you to be healthy for the long haul. Now, therefore, in the spirit of the series that we're in right now, mothers, moms, you need to learn to make some room for life. I'll tell you why. Behind me here, I have two vacuum cleaners. Uh, this first one um, right here is a vacuum cleaner at the church. This is one that I gave Roseanne for Mother's Day 20 years ago. Uh, she didn't receive it very well. Uh, so there it is, looking brand new. Um, I gave it to her 20 years ago, but I repented. I did, the, I did the dishes for three straight years, and then she let me back into the house. And, um, and now I only give her uh, roses, a jewelry, and chocolate for Mother's Day. And um, that's, that's what I do. Now, now I, what surprises me in every single service, the younger uh, dads are just looking at me like, dude, this is the time to take out your pen and write that down. That's gold. That's gold. All right, I'm trying to save you from being kept out of the house. No vacuum cleaners. Roses, jewelry, chocolate. Got it? Write that down. It's gold. It's gold. Okay. 
Now this particular vacuum cleaner here is one that we use at the church. It's a commercial grade vacuum cleaner. What that means is that this vacuum cleaner was built and designed, Roseanne says, ooh, I've never seen that before. Uh, this vacuum cleaner was designed commercially to work all three shifts. This bad baby can do the first shift, the second shift, and the third shift, and still purr like a kitten. This particular vacuum cleaner, however, is not a commercial grade. This yellow vacuum cleaner is a residential grade. And what that means is that if you try to save money by buying a residential grade vacuum cleaner, and then you try to operate it first, second, and third shift, you know what's going to happen? You're going to burn the motor out in this puppy. You're going to burn the motor out, and it's going to be useless. Here's an observation. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 Every single person in this room has been designed with a residential grade duty cycle. Moms, you too. What it means is, even though I know your work is overwhelming to you, the reality is God did not create you with commercial grade. He created, he created you with residential grade. You know what that means? It means you cannot work 24-7, seven, seven days a week, around the clock, all year long, or your motor's going to melt, and you're going to be put out into the trash on Monday morning pickup. You understand what I'm saying? We can't have that happen so you're going to need to learn how to make some room for life make some room for life you know I I know today of a lot of very burnt out mothers and it's amazing to me making this observation that there are seminars and conferences all over the place for people in the marketplace in the business world to learn how to be more effective and efficient in the running of their business but then we have this most important organization in all of the world that's holding our very country together, and there's barely any training for moms on how to do their work, not only effectively, but also efficiently, so she doesn't burn out. I remember when our daughter was born over 25 years ago, Roseanne quit her job and, and, de and decided to stay home as a full-time mom. Uh, I, I made a total of $1,200 a month. Most of that money was going to pay for my graduate school, which I was still doing at the same time, and uh, so we didn't have a lot of money, but Roseanne was home full-time with uh, our daughter Jennifer. I remember coming home one day, and she was pulling her hair out in frustration, and I said to her, just praying that her frustration had nothing to do with me, how could it possibly, uh, said to her, what's wrong, sweetheart? And she says, I don't get it. She said, just a couple of months ago, I was running an entire law office for my attorney. Everything was on track. Everything was run efficiently. And now I've got this little thing, and she, I, I can't control it. I mean, I, I can't make it work. What's wrong with me? I mean, being a mom is crazy, busy kind of stuff. I'm really proud of my wife because she reached out to an older lady, a mentor named Ann Ivy. And Ann, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, uh, came alongside of Roseanne. And together, they created this really cool support program for younger mothers. Once a month, moms would get together in the evening. Dad would, dads would watch the kids. And they would gather together to read books and to brainstorm ideas, not only on how to you know, make your marriage work better and how to raise kids, but I was really impressed that they spent time, read books, uh, dug deep into principles to help them do their job with greater effectiveness and efficiency. 
And I thought to myself, we need to see young moms do that again today, to apply principles that give you more margin so you don't blow your engine or have a meltdown. Moms, hear me, you've got to make room for life every day and every week. And I particularly say that to those single moms who are part of our congregation in this city. You know, they say a bumblebee can't fly. It's impossible, but it does. I would say a single mom, there's no way she should be able to raise children, and yet we got unbelievable, courageous single moms doing it all over our congregation in our city. And my hat's off to you, but the reality is you're gonna need to get a break somewhere along the way. So with that said, when you came in, you received a program, and in it is this little card called Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to invite you to pull that out right now and turn it over on the back. And this is an opportunity for every single person in this room, save the moms, uh, to uh, write something down either for your mom or for your wife or, or, for, or particularly for those of you who would like to come alongside a single mom uh, this Mother's Day and do something for her to give her a break, to give her some margin. This is what you do. You write her name at the top. It says, you are very dear to me. I want to give you more room for life. So on this special day, I give you. And then you write something down tangible that she would not have to do, either one time for an entire week or maybe for the rest of her life. Mow her yard, uh, you know, wash the dishes, anything that would give her, iron the clothes. You know, whatever it is that would give them margin, agree to do that. Be very specific and don't just write it down, but actually do it. And then there's a prayer that we invite you to say uh, personally. As a matter of fact, it would be cool when you gave it to them to actually read this prayer out loud to them and then with blessings from and sign your name. Now, you know, there's a lot of good uh, Mother's Day gifts that are available. Most of them need to be dusted. You know what? Moms don't need another thing to be dusted unless you're committing to dust it. But this is a kind of gift that will give them a break that they need to survive. So here we go. If we lose any more ground with our families, we are going down as a nation. And we've already suggested that the glue that holds the family together is the mom. But she's been created with a residential duty cycle. So she's got to make room for life. We could probably spend the rest of this service as well as many weeks to come talking about practical ideas that we can uh, do to help our moms gain some margin so they can make it to the finish line. But probably the thing that you need to hear the most, the thing that you need to hear the most is contained in a little book that I'd like to read to all you moms. So listen to this. A mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I love you forever, I like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The baby grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was two years old and he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator and he took his mom's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, 
She opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang. I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old. And he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. And if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang. I love you forever, I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends and he wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in a zoo. But at nighttime, when that teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. If he was really asleep, she picked up that great big boy and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang. I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always As long as I'm living, my baby will be That teenager grew, he grew and he grew and he grew He grew until he was a grown-up man He left home and got a house across town But sometimes on dark nights, the mother got into her car and drove across town if all the lights in her son's house were out, she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of his bed. If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang. I love you forever, I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. One day she called up her son and said, you better come see me because I'm very old and sick. So her son came to see her. When he came in the door, she tried to sing the song. She sang, I love you forever. I like you for always. But she couldn't finish because she was too old and sick. The son went to his mother. He picked her up and rocked her back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And he sang this song. I'll love you forever, i like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy will be. When the son came home that night, he stood for a long time at the top of the stairs. Then he went into the room where his very new baby daughter was sleeping. He picked her up in his arms and very slowly rocked her back and forth, back and forth, 
back and forth. And while he rocked her, he sang. I love you forever, I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. For always, as long as I'm living, my baby will be. Over the last two weeks, as we have been preparing for this Mother's Day service, every time that uh, I mention my mom or thought of her, Either te tears welled up in my eyes or tears welled up in my soul. My mom has now been gone for 11 Mother's Days. Next year I turn 50 years old. And when I think of my mother, I think about her as passionately as I did when I was a little boy. But behind, behind, behind the eyes of this now grown man is nothing more than a boy that misses his mom. I miss her touch. I miss her encouraging words. I miss her smell. I love my mom. And I'll never, ever forget the sacrifice she made for me. And it's really amazing when I think about it because I had the opportunity when my mom was dying to hold her in the hospital bed much like this grown man did in the story and one of my mom's final request one of the things that mattered to her more than anything in the world is she wanted to know that she was a good mom I couldn't believe it all these years that I was growing up my mom had this sense that she failed all these years, she was carrying this pile of guilt on her shoulders that she didn't do a good job. I couldn't believe it. I thought to myself, my mom is either perfect or near perfect. How could she get this assessment? But she had it. I looked her in the eyes and I said, Mom, you can go in peace knowing that you are the best mom you could ever have been to me. And I've come to find out that just about every mother hearing these words today carries the same kind of guilt. You've gotten up every day and you've tried to do your best and in your heart you're saying, my best is not good enough. I'm here to tell you that your sons and your daughters see it differently. And you need to hear it from us. You see, if we lose any more ground with our families, this nation is going down. The glue that holds the family together is the mother. So we need you moms. So our prayer for you is that we could come alongside of you and help you make room for life. But more than anything else in all the world, what we want to say to you right now, right here, is that we love you forever. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, As you do not know how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. And in Jeremiah, God makes a most surprising statement regarding his relationship with mothers. He implies that he uses women as his workshop 
to perform the continuing miracle of creating life. God did not say to Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Rather, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God formed Jeremiah in the womb. In the womb. God also knew each of us before we were conceived, conceived, and he personally, in our mother's wombs, formed each of us into existence. The ultimate example of this is the Holy Spirit's formation of the body of Christ in the Virgin Mary's womb as described in Luke. In John, Jesus says, when her baby is born, a woman forgets the anguish of delivery because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Please join me in prayer of blessing for our mothers. Holy Father, by the blood of Christ, Forgive me of my sins. Make me pure and holy during these few minutes of prayer so that you're not distracted by my worldliness. In the name of Jesus, I lift up mothers everywhere for your blessing on this day that honors them. Bless mothers whose children are living healthy and spiritually sound. Magnify their joy. Bless stepmothers and foster mothers whose love extends to those not their own. Reward their compassion. Bless mothers whose children are ill or challenged emotionally or spiritually. Give them patience and heal their children. Bless single, widowed, separated, and divorced mothers and fathers who are parenting alone. Show them how to do it. Bless mothers who sorrow because they have rebellious children that ignore you. Remind them that you know how to rescue rowdy kids. And bless mothers and children who are sad and lonely because they are estranged. Bring peace and reconciliation. And bless mothers whose children serve in the military. Assure them that you and your angels watch over them. And bless mothers who themselves are serving in the military. Give us world peace and bring them home safely. Bless mothers whose infants have died, been stillborn, or miscarried. Comfort them and, where possible, provide them another healthy child. Bless women who desire children but who are barren. Answer their prayers with biological or adopted children and young friends to love, teach, and mentor. Bless mothers whose children have preceded them in death. Quiet their grief and dry their tears. Father, especially give peace to mothers who have made the tough call to terminate a pregnancy. Provide them answers to their many questions, and may they experience your grace. And Heavenly Father, you're the perfect parent of every person born, past, present, and future. May we emulate you in nurturing our children so that the next generation remains faithful to you. Amen. <laughs>